0: Hello and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah. On the podcast, we talk about all of the things that we are working to overcome, all of those challenges like obesity, anxiety, various health issues, and really try to work through the best ways to do that and my personal experience is something that i'm sharing along the way so today i wanted to talk a little bit about food allergies and my experience with food allergies so Growing up, um, you know, I had a friend that had a peanut allergy, um, didn't know that much about it. Then when my sister uh, met her husband-to-be, he also had a peanut allergy. So got to know a little bit more about how challenging food allergies can be um, kind of on the periphery, but when I had my daughter... um, that's when I really got into understanding food allergies. And allergies are very different than intolerances. So a food intolerance, which I have uh, several of those, as does my son, means that you have um, a hard time digesting a certain food, and that food has a negative impact on your body. So You know, in my case, I have an autoimmune condition, eating certain foods uh, cause that condition to be worse. Uh, But in the case of a food allergy, your body reacts in a very different way. It's not like a systemic kind of ongoing issue or chronic. It is a very acute reaction that can occur. Uh, And including anaphylaxis, which is a combination of the physical reaction, such as not being able to breathe properly, added with something like hives. Um, Also, there are different things like stomach ache that can be part of anaphylaxis, headaches, feeling like an impending doom type feeling. There's quite a number of things that can go um, along with anaphylaxis. So my experience was with my daughter. She was always, as soon as she started eating, a very odd eater to me, very different than my son. And, um, you know, different kids totally understand all of the children that you have eat differently. But I noticed very quickly that I called her kind of my very healthy and very picky eater. So healthy because... Uh, I was eating a lot of really healthy whole foods at the time and she was happy with that. You know, as a very young child, it was odd. And and I'm talking about, you know, when you're introducing food all the way until when you're kind of mushing things up around a year um, and giving table foods and then uh, working away into about a year and a half. So she would eat things like rice and salmon you know, she liked mushed up vegetables, I would I had a grinder, um, and those were fine. But if I gave her a piece of like a homemade chocolate chip cookie, or a cupcake, she didn't like it, and she spit it out right away. And so to me, I kept thinking, Oh, my gosh, I have the most healthiest child in the whole wide world. She likes, you know, chicken in pieces, she likes um vegetables this is crazy you know she would have a little bit of like plain bread that was okay um and then did things similar to my son like maybe like a cheese string or something like that those were something like little kind of pick foods they could pick at um when they were little but it was just a really weird um thing and and i just kind of got used to it and thought oh she just doesn't really like certain things but i i didn't really know the why so as she got to be a, a little bit older Um, around 18 months, I went to this special bakery and I was gluten-free and dairy-free and they had, uh, these macaroons, like French macaroons that are made with a lot of egg white. And so I bought a couple of these as a treat for myself and she always wanted my treats. My daughter, even now at six, always wants whatever I'm eating. It's notorious. And so I gave her this French macaroon to try. And she put it to her mouth and she started to scream. And I thought that was really weird at 18 months that she was screaming, she was crying. And then I took it from her and I gave her some water and I said, what's wrong? And she has always been very um, articulate, even from a young age, quite the talker. And she just yelled, it burns. And I didn't understand. So of course, I'm trying to give her cold water and get it calmed down. And then I started to think, it burns. That's a weird reaction. Um, And I didn't really know, we don't have food allergies in our family, but just my mind kind of went, that seems like an allergy. And then I thought, well, what's in a macaroon? And it occurred to me that it's very heavy, heavy egg white. And so from there, I started to think back, okay, she won't eat cake. She won't eat chocolate chip cookies. Like I remember on her first birthday, giving her her cake. And she would eat some of the icing, but that was it. There was no doing on the actual cake. And I remember her kind of crying. But I thought, oh, she just tired. We'd have had a big party. You know, um, she's just really tired. And of course, I just started to think through all the things that she ate and all the things that she ate didn't contain eggs. So not knowing much about food allergies, but googling a little bit and finding out that this probably was a a food allergy the other thing beyond just her you know saying it burns is I started to notice that her lips were swelling that night and um, that also made me think okay it burns and her lips are swelling again more of like an allergic type reaction now she didn't eat the food she she only put it to her mouth and so um, it it kind of stayed localized I guess at the mouth So from there, I went to our family doctor and I explained the whole situation to them and they kind of said, oh, I don't think she has a food allergy. But I was very persistent because I had learned um, over time that, you know, mothers have to go with their guts and keep at it. So I said, no, I really do think it's an allergy. They did give me an EpiPen. They said, well, just in case. And um, so it gave me a referral to a pediatrician. So from there she went through prick testing and of course it confirmed an egg allergy. The prick test also had um noted a cashew and a walnut allergy. So from there we went for blood work. Again, allergies to those things were confirmed. And um, eventually, we did kind of like a yearly appointment. Then from that point on, we were carrying epipens. So we're talking she's about two at this point. And um, then eventually, we got referred to a more specialized clinic. They did prick testing. So now she's about um, four prick testing and also more blood work. And they didn't see the nuts. They only found egg. So, um, that point we weren't so worried about the tree nut issue, mostly focused on egg. And that was as she was entering kindergarten. Uh, So, you know, having at that point to meet with the teachers and explain egg allergy, explain the fact that, you know, if somebody brings in cookies or cupcakes for a birthday, even if it says school safe, nut safe, It's not going to be safe for her because she's allergic to eggs, Um, which, you know, presented very challenging, especially with some of the families. Anybody who's got a child with food allergies knows that the schools often send home notes and it's very anxiety raising because you know that the child is being centered out and that the child will be kind of pegged as different and that families are reacting to um you know someone with an egg allergy and and there can be a lot of negativity i remember feeling a lot of anxiety around her starting school first because she was no longer going to be in kind of a controlled environment at home um but also because i knew that she was going to be opened up to not only more exposure but Um, almost that social ridicule side. But we were very fortunate because in the class, there was another child that had, um, he was vegan, so he didn't eat um, eggs and stuff anyway, but also he had like a dairy intolerance and and different things. And so there was often, because there was a few students, more of a focus putting on inclusivity and um, non-food treats. So... Then we eventually moved um, and my daughter started at a new allergy clinic and they found that um, the egg allergy had declined. So at this point, I know the immune system keeps maturing. So she's around six um, and they found that the egg or no, at that point five, they found the egg allergy was much lower than it had been in the past. But all of a sudden the cashew allergy was back and pistachios are related to cashews. So we were told um, she needed the EpiPen particularly now for cashews and pistachios. And it was interesting because that summer I was on a real health kick and had gotten all these pistachios and was eating them as a snack. And Um, offered her one, and she put it in her mouth. And again, she spit it out, didn't eat it. And I thought, oh, well, the pistachios had like a salt on it. It must be just that it was too salty. And it didn't occur to me that um, she had developed the cashew pistachio allergy back. So um, very confusing, I guess I will say, is that I thought with food allergies, you know, you would be someone who had a food allergy in the family, which we do not. Um, Or you would like know right away and have almost like a heads up, or maybe the child would be tested before the allergy ever occurred. But in this case, you know, I look back and I just think, of all the mistakes I've made, like mistake, mistake, mistake. You know, I gave her macaroons. She was allergic to eggs. I gave her pistachios. Um, Even back before the cashew allergy was first diagnosed, not the second time it was diagnosed, um, I had given her like a vegan dip type thing that had cashew in it. So it's very um, nebulous and can be ongoing and stressful because you don't know... The allergy until the t- the child has had it, um, which is very different than what I ever thought with food allergies. So the most recent time that we've went back to the newer clinic, they found that the egg allergy was quite low, cashew allergy still persistent. So they want um, again us to carry the EpiPen more focused for the nuts, and to start doing egg challenges. So at six years old, you know we get. Um, this egg ladder for her to start and for the past four plus years I have been keeping her strictly away from eggs and now all of a sudden as mom I'm supposed to be at home and start introducing very slowly and controlled the rungs of the egg ladder. So if you're not familiar essentially with an egg ladder and I know there are ones for milk and stuff like that you start out with um, different severities. So uh, starting with the bottom rung of the ladder is baked egg, uh, again, and these were given to us by our doctor based on her test results. So it's based, baked egg, but not just any baked egg. You start slowly working up. So you start with something that's like super duper baked, like a cookie or a muffin. And then you start moving up to very specific things like ladyfingers, And then it would be dried um, waffle. No, sorry, there's waffles. And then eventually there's dried egg pasta. And then, and I know some of the ladders are different. And then you move up to a pancake And then there's a whole rung jump where there's another group where you're doing fresh cooked egg pasta and then moving into things um, eventually like scrambled eggs, boiled eggs, uh, quiche. And then there's a whole other jump where you get into very less, less cooked eggs Things like mayonnaise, things like um, like an ice cream that contained egg, a frosting that contained egg. And so that one, the doctor wasn't even sure if we'd make it up to that less cooked group or how that would exactly work. But it's it's very stressful. It's also very positive. And so as mom, you're trying to keep positive, and help the child be excited because the child's afraid all of a sudden they're challenging this food that not only have I not been serving but she's been like avoiding like the plague and telling everybody I can't have that it's got eggs um, because she's been a very good self advocate. And so it, it has been very challenging. So far, she has been able to move through the baked egg section. And it's very exciting. You know, when I think about it, we still do watch and and we are still supposed to only feed it about three times a week at this point. But um, I keep thinking how life altering this could be for her in terms of traveling. uh, We've done past trips and we always have to get the special allergy letters and I've gotten cards made to help us translate the egg allergy into different languages like Spanish when we went to the Caribbean so that um, we're able to make sure that she's not getting anything with egg. Uh, We still have to obviously be very careful around the cashew because that allergy was worse. Um, And though cashews aren't super common, I know they are in a lot of like vegan Thai uh, type foods. So we do need to be careful there. Pistachios also, the doctor mentioned, can be uh, cross-contamination with ice creams, So it is still definitely we are still struggling with food allergy, but it is getting better. And I just keep thinking, oh, my gosh, if she goes to Europe and she can tolerate pasta and baked goods, my goodness, like it will just change, you know, a trip to Italy or like I said, an all inclusive resort and be able to do a lot more. Um, than she would have been able to in the past. So uh, that's kind of been our experience with food allergies. It's definitely challenging in terms of the EpiPen. I always feel nervous when I drop her for a play date and have to, you know, give a parent an EpiPen because they kind of give me this look like, what um and i know we gen- we stick to a lot of just bringing our own food cuz i like to take the weight off of anybody that's looking after her um and same with at school uh even though she's been starting on challenging eggs we are keeping the protocol at school the same because she does need to be watched for a few hours after she has something with egg and so she's not um able to to participate yet in class uh any kind of celebration and and I have sent special food to the classroom to keep things separate so um I'm very hopeful that she'll make it to the top of this egg challenge but you never know and um I know it's it's kind of one of those things that you have to push keep pushing but it's very scary the idea that she may react and she may have a problem. Um, sometimes even they suggested that if she's sick, it's not a time to do any of the challenges because her system is worn down and it isn't uh, isn't isn't the best time to be introducing a new food that could be a potential allergen. But like I said, trying to keep super positive so that um, we can we can hopefully make headway for her, uh, because she is at this very, uh, critical juncture with her immune system being more formed and, and hopefully we can drop the egg allergy and my goodness, maybe eventually the cashew, who knows. Um, but, but we're very, very hopeful and continue to be on top of the food allergy uh, situation, and definitely understand the stresses, uh, especially things like airplane travel for for families and um, and keeping children safe so hopefully that gives you a bit of a first hand experience with food allergy um, again, not with myself but with my child and and trying to keep them safe and protected. Uh, if you have any questions, you can visit my blog, which is www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com. Again, I'm not um, a doctor in any way, so not trying to give anybody any advice about uh, challenging food allergies, but just explaining the experience we've had and how it can be can be quite stressful trying to um, manage the back and forth of food allergies. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider subscribing. Uh, Also, beyond the blog, you can find me on Instagram. It's at SarahLadyGluten, so Sarah, S-A-R-A, no H. And uh, hopefully I will see you there and have a great week. Thanks.